Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're bringing the best and the brightest in the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship to help you harness your own inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today on the podcast is Tina Karras, recording artist and owner of Tina's Vodka. Tina's worked in the music industry and live event space while pursuing her career in music. That eventually led, led her into the wonderful world of spirits, where she was able to personally taste tons of different brands. That must have been fun. Which crafted her palate. She used to create her non-GMO, no-additive, ethically sourced vodka brand. I guess the name, Tina's Vodka. Right? <laughs> Good name. Yeah. And we've got a lot of ground to cover with her in Tina's journey, so let's get right to it. Tina, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi howdy. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be speaking to you in dry Los Angeles today. Yes, yes. Finally, the rain is behind us. We were chatting before the show, and, and I love to take my listeners through the, the career journey. Um, and I want to start back to your first small business you were part of, which you were a dishwasher. I think that's where everyone starts at your family's <laughs> restaurant. Um, what was that? <laughs> yes. what was, what, what was, hey, listen, I was uh, a dishwasher. I, I really, truly feel, and, and, and I'm sorry, I'm pontific pontificating here, that there's something about working in the, in, the, in the hospitality, restaurant, service industry that really grounds you because you just have a sense of what it takes and kind of how the sausage is made. And it keeps you humble. Tell us a little bit about your experience. Oh, sure. Well, you know, I come from my family's Greek. My mom is Greek American. And my dad is from Greece, from Sparta. And so, you know, such a cliche, but it's true. You know, we owned a restaurant. So I grew up in a restaurant. Was and, it a Greek yeah, restaurant? It actually was not. It was kind of like it a, was a diner. sushi place. <laughs> <laughs> well, diner is the second <laughs> obvious question. Yeah, totally. So it was like lunch specials, spaghetti, lasagna. We did have feta. We always had feta and Kalamata olives. You know, because Greek food is very, you know, I love to cook it, but it's, it's very complex. And so, yeah, my first job was washing dishes at eight years old. I was basically born in a restaurant. And, you know, that's where we saw my dad and my mom worked there, too. And all of us worked there growing up. And yeah, I agree with you. I, I feel like everyone should work in a restaurant on some capacity in their life sometime because it changes you as a person. Like you're saying, you, you know, you're different, you're humbled in a different way and you realize what physical work it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially through the pandemic, you realize how restaurants were just a huge part of our lives. Like just the connection. Yeah. To go out to eat. It's such an important part of our lives that um, being without it for so long, I didn't realize you know, what a, how much it really did contribute to our lives. And what important thing, it's not just food, it's, it's family. Experience. It's, yeah, it's where yeah. you celebrate and connect with people and have deep conversations. And it's different than just getting a to-go box at home. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. primal too. Do you, do you remember like, you know, you work in there 
age of eight, which is certainly some child labor violations, but we're not oh, yeah. going to get into that. So, yeah. But it's yeah. a family restaurant. So I guess there's a, there's a, a get out of jail free card on that one. But yeah, but do you remember like, like, she those likes early- it. She yeah. likes playing with the, with the squeegee thing. It's fun for her. The yeah. water is, the water's not that hot. Don't worry when you're cleaning it. It's not that hot. It's, it's, it's warm. <laughs> She'll build calluses. But do you remember, yeah. do you remember like that first kind of aha moment at that formative age where you saw what your dad and mom were doing that hard work, that kind of, those, those takeaways of like, wow, I, I see what they're doing here. Yeah, for sure. Because we were there all the time and witnessed it. You know, there's highs and lows. And, you know, we actually moved the restaurant when I was a teenager to another part of town. The restaurant was booming. And then they did construction on the street and you couldn't take a left mm. turn anymore. And it completely cut the business in half. Wow. So watch, yeah, watching those things, you know, and how it affects, you know, how just to re-strategize and do your whole business in a different way. So watching those highs and lows. It also taught me too, like, you know, your happiness really doesn't come from your money at all. I mean, of course, it's better to have more money, not to worry about paying for things, but, you know, you're still the same person. So those ups and downs, I feel like in a subconscious way, you know, like you're saying, it was impressed on me. I didn't realize until I was older that how there's something bigger than just making money. It's, you know, who you are, how you carry yourself, what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. It's really creates your happiness, not the external. I love that. How did, how did your parents react when the, when the business wasn't going well? Oh, they're not well. And how'd that affect you? (laughs) Yeah, they were stressed out a lot. Yeah. And it was very uncomfortable. You know, it's like, we can't pay for this. Can't do this. Mm. Can't do that. So that, that was tough. And, you know, I think I did, you know, inadvertently pick up a scarcity mindset that took a long time to shed to go back, you know, it's your relationship with abundance, your relationship with Absolutely. things. And, you know, you learn things your whole life that you don't even know you're learning them. And it was kind of the way too. This is way before the internets. Oh my God. Imagine that day when, when kids used to play, when we used to go outside, we used to remember phone numbers and wait by the phone. I'm getting, I'm dating, I'm dating myself. Now. But no. you know, when the, you know, the, the, the musical side of you is so important and such a major piece of your story. Yeah. Um, was your, was your mom or dad musical? Anyone in the family? Where'd you pick it up from? Yeah, they were all musical. My dad actually in Greece, he was a trumpet player and he played oh, in cool. bands and those big band things. And yeah, I came out, I was a not guitarist, violinist when I was 10 years old. I played violin for like 10 years and then picked up the classical guitar right as I went to college. I went to UNC Chapel Hill. Super Tar cool. Hills. Yes, it's a great school. I'm so blessed. That school has really not only gave me given me a great education, but even the alumni and they helped me move out here. They've connected me with people and mm. um, it's been a real blessing to have gone there. And yeah, so I got my music degree there, just kind of jumped into it and learned classical guitar there and piano. Yeah, we'll get to the music side in a second here. But uh, what made you what was that decision to go out to L.A.? Like, is it like the cliche dream? <laughs> I'm going to go follow my dreams. What's that movie with Lady Gaga and all that? I'm going to follow my dreams. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the L.A. thing kind of happened in a very interesting way. Uh, my when I was a fifth year senior, actually. I went to college Boom. four and a half years. Me so too. I, graduated I rounded did it to you? five. I did. And oh. I, called the bo- I called the bonus year. But we'll yeah, yeah. save Honestly, that for another time. Yeah, that, that last semester was my best semester. And it, it's continued to influence my life. I'm so thankful for that. Four Same. years is too fast. And also, uh, probably you Gen X, you don't have to tell me how old you are, but I'm Gen X. And back then college was affordable. It, <laughs> I, went to a, I went to a SUNY school. My parents didn't flinch. I mean, I had to stay an extra semester to finish. A, like a, It was like two classes and I was interning and mm-hmm. working. I was in Buffalo. Yeah. And it was, they were like, how much more money are you going to make or save by being here? You'll probably eat us out of house and home. 
<laughs> we'll probably spend that money, you know, on food. Yeah, totally. That's funny. But yes, so that semester I was an intern in radio. My plan was to stay in Chapel Hill, live there, work in Raleigh and radio, and mm-hmm. then just, you know, get the music going, take on students. And then Hurricane Fran came, which, um, you know, I'm in tor- Hurricane Alley there. And it, you know, even though we're inland, it devastated um, mm. Chapel Hill. We were out of power for like three weeks, tre- trees, everything. And my apartment was kind of ruined. So I ended up moving back to Charlotte after graduation instead. So all of that was nixed. But while I was at my radio internship through school, one of the guys who actually went to Chapel Hill as well, he was like, do not stay here. He's like, go somewhere else at least for stay a year. Town. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, you got to leave home. Because the only reason why he was back in North Carolina is because he was helping oh. taking care of his mom. But he's like, he went to Chicago. He's like, just go somewhere. You're young. You're single. You don't have kids. Just go try it and see how it is. And you can always come back. Mm-hmm. So when I went back to Charlotte, I was trying to just figure out what to do. Cause it's not like people are hiring 23 year olds to be songwriters. No, you know, that would be great if they were, but so I worked, you know, I went back to restaurants, which has always kind of been my go-to just waitress Barton. And then, um, uh, my mom actually heard about a Suzuki guitar trainer class. So it was a Suzuki method of classical guitar and they were doing it in Los Angeles. So uh. that's how I ended up in LA coming out there for the class. And then there was Everyone actually, has story. Mm-hmm. yes. So I went out there just for a week. And during that week, it just happened to be a reception for the Carolina interns. They do a Hollywood internships for music, oh, you know, yeah, movie studios and all that. So they happened to be having the reception while I'm there. Funny how that so, worked out. I know. So crazy. And so when I went to the reception just by myself, I didn't know anyone. I had no idea how large LA was too. Like the yeah. cab was like it's $50. Sprawling. It's sprawling. Like, yeah. it's sprawling. Totally. And traffic Even sucks today. anytime, anytime <laughs> of day, anytime of night. It's kind of like here, but worse. Yeah. Well, you know, there used to be those windows of where it'd be good, where 20 minutes anywhere in LA, the windows are gone. Now it's an mm. hour anywhere. So while was, 30. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So then while I was there at the reception, I actually ran into people I went to school with. And so they're like, Hey, let's take you around LA and let's, you know, come move out here. So they were really encouraging to move out. They're like, don't think about it. If you think too long, you stay in Charlotte, you're never going to come out. Just come right back out and just go for it. Like they did. They were working, mm. you know, film production. And so I did. Um, and I stayed with them. I stayed with a few friends. My um, professor in college, she actually had a son out here. And she's like, I send people sleep on his sofa all the time. And mm. so I actually had a lot of support from Carolina. That's great. Coming out here. Yeah. And then once I mm. got here, everything was kind of terrible. It was, I was one foot out of LA trying to figure out if I'm going to stay because it's, yeah, it was tough. It's, it's, it's a rough town. They say New York will, you know, chew you up and spit you up, but LA is similar. How, how, how did you manage your, like, did you have some grand, like, like grandiose expectation of LA bright lights, I'm going to make it and everything versus reality? Like, what was that like? Expectation versus reality in LA? Well, I felt like when I came to LA and, you know, I had my friends take me all around it felt very much like my hometown, Charlotte, which I know it's on a massive scale, but it's just kind of unorganized, spread out all over the place. It just felt like endless potential. This is back in the 90s, though, so it's definitely changed a lot. <laughs> but it felt like, you know, it's where you could actually live a good life and be a broke artist. Like rent was like $400. Like, it was. It was, was, yes. Um, so the cost of living, it just felt like, okay, I can do this. This is where I can come out here and figure myself out. I didn't really have the bright lights, big city. I did want a record deal and, you know, worked in music for a while. And now I realize, looking back, thank God 
Um, that didn't work out. I'm still independent on my own. But um, for me, it was more like, I guess, just, just it would seem to open-ended. This is a place you could come out here. You could place feel the energy. Possibilities, yes. And the weather is great. Most of um, them, yeah. Most Except for the hurricanes, out. earthquakes, and floods, but that's that's and the fi- and the fires, <laughs> the fires, and the riots, yeah. right? But <laughs> so how did so how did you? I mean, you 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 were working as, as a bartender in the event space. How, how did you balance your dream of being a a, a singer songwriter and paying the bills? How did, how did you manage that? Or is that kind yeah. of what you do in LA? The 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 actress actor bartender model slash the slash slash slash. The slash slash yeah exactly. So when I got here, I started temping, and that's kind of, that was a thing mm-hmm. back then. I'm sure it still is. Paid ten dollars an hour to temp, like you know, assistant work in music, which was a great opportunity. I look at it now Exposure. like it was kind of like a paid internship. Yes, um, and then I you know I actually didn't pay rent for the first six months I was here because I was just sofa surfing for a while. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally did get my own place, um, I realized you know I was just working all week making no money really. And I wasn't writing. I wasn't getting anything done. I'm like, what am I doing? So I started bartending then because I can make more money in less time and I have my days free to do what I need to do. So that's how I started going back into bartending again and waitressing. And it is excellent money for sure, but it's, it's it still gets, a lot of hard work, physical work, physical labor after a while. Yeah. And after a while you psychologically can't do it, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, did you, you did it as well, I guess. We've all had our we've all we've all had our stints in our in our early days. So before before we get into your your current venture, um, I want to talk music for a little bit. Sure. And, and before we get, I want to talk about your 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 album, Classical uh, Dreams, a bit. Yes. Um, who are your? I love to talk music. Um, I don't know if you could see behind me. I, I have my my three favorites here: I have Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and my guilty pleasure, Dave Matthews. Here. Oh, nice. Um, who are your musical influences? Quick side note: Dave Matthews. When I was at Chapel Hill. My freshman year, they were playing big frat court right before they got huge. And I remember mm-hmm. watching well, from them. Virginia, right over there. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So they played like the college circuit. So I remember watching them, the violin player. I'm like, these guys are really good. <laughs> and then the they next year, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I got my friend when I was looking at home. I got my, because I'm working on my new office here. I got my, uh, Led Zeppelin when they got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, cool. It's Roger Waters from his first tour at the Garden. And a little, little, little inspiration there. So who, who, who inspires you? Honestly, I know it might sound crazy, but I'm a huge classical fan and Beethoven's like my all time. I mean, he's just incredible. And, you know, no one's going to argue with yeah. that one. So no good. No, nah, he's awful. That guy sucks. <laughs> Who the hell is that? <laughs> Fuck him. He sucks. I, yeah, I did hear right? some guy in music school. He was saying, you know, the pathetique sonata. He was calling it the pathetic sonata. I'm like, hey, just because. Of- exactly. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's still Come genius. On. Even though a lot of people play it. That doesn't take away from. <laughs> It is. Yeah, I'm very heavily classically influenced. You know, I think some of it comes from my family too. Um, my dad listened to a lot of. He listened to classical music, Greek music, and then like big band stuff. That's what I grew up listening. And then my mom, on the other hand, she was listening to disco a lot. So mm, I had a lot I'm of those disco. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so I started. You know, classical is a big thing for me. And then as far as like the musicians, like modern, I love Zeppelin too. Mm. Um, you know, I was a big fan of Indigo Girls, Cheryl Crow. Um, who else? U2 was a huge influence for me for a while. U2, why is U2 so polarizing? I mean, some, like, I feel U2 is so love or hate. Side note, I don't know if you saw this. They came out with it, I think it was last week, and, and this show's not going to air for another probably four weeks after we talk today. U2 just came out with four albums, which they rethought, remastered, recomposed the composition. Um, 
like four albums worth of their classics. Interesting. I didn't know that. And they, they reimagined it. And I thought about it for a little bit. I'm like, these guys have been playing for almost 40 plus years. Yeah. They're playing the same. Hear these songs. So you think about it from a creative standpoint, like, hey, guys, let's we have these in, insane catalog. Like, let's yeah. go back to the studio. And how would we do this song again now? And that was the thesis of this. And it turned into four albums. It's supposed to only be one. So it's it's interesting to kind of always, always be evolving. And that kind of leads me to to the next part in in, mm. in, in your career. Mm. Um, well, let me take a step back. I didn't finish on Classical Dreams. Let's talk about the album a little bit. Yeah. Um, what was the... When when you when you go to put an album together, what was kind of your 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 approach, your mindset? Where where did you want it to? Where'd you envision and had to finish? Well, so that's that's an excellent question because you know I started writing these songs. Like the oldest song actually is Potential Energy, and I wrote that when I was nineteen. Hmm. So you know that's a I'm going to age myself, but that was a long time ago. And um, you know I was just doing like crappy demos with like a cassette tape, and then you know the digital age came, and I started doing things on my MacBook. And then um, about, I guess, 2015, I started working with a producer. Because at this point, because before, you know, I worked with music labels, like the two-inch tape itself was $30,000. Just the tape. tape. Yeah. Yeah. Not for the studio time, nothing else. So cost-wise, it was almost impossible for me to do that. So, But with the digital world, Pro Tools changed everything. So, yeah, so I hired who I thought was a professional to do my first album and you know, I was working full time. So I would just go record it on my off time, days off, whatever. So I really was just working and recording my album. And after a year and a half, yeah, I think I was too close to it. I couldn't hear it properly. I should have shelved it because it was not good quality. I wasn't where I needed to be. So what wasn't good quality about it? I think everything. (laughs) Well, I feel like there was a lot of you know, and it's also scientific. When you get used to hearing something, when you listen to it, it sounds right. And then you take a break and you can go back and hear you it objectively. Yes. So I think just just even like the effects on my voice, you know, the we, he and I were we were we were friends, but we weren't a match creatively. And I learned a lot so, through that experience. You know, so that, many lessons in that last, yeah. you know, 60 seconds, what you're saying so many, to, to be able whatever work and that applies, whatever you're working on, because you're so close to it and you have blinders on, you need to take a step back, pause, yeah. get the right feedback, not too much feedback, right? Not yes. too many cooks in the kitchen, totally. but the right type of feedback, people that aren't scared to tell you the, the, the radical candor. Yes, exactly. Like, give it to me straight. But then again, whose opinion are you going to take? Because you always have to come back to yourself. So I did, I pulled it from online and everything. And then I went back and found a new producer who I thought was going to be great, was not great, was a terrible Mm. fit as well. But I was, uh, you know, the same thing. I learned a lot, learned what not to do. And so when I got the finished product, which was another eight songs, I just listened to it. I'm like, I do not want to release this record. I am not doing that. So I took some time off, but through that record, I met my current producer, Bill Mims, who is amazing. He's awesome. He was actually the engineer at Sunset Sound when we were recording my drums for that album. So he and I kind of hit it off. I reached out to him like, hey, you know, I want to re-record my album. And he thankfully, you know, in Los Angeles, he only lives 15 minutes away from me. He has a home. Come on over. Yeah, exactly. He has a home studio. So we did this drums. We did the pianos. And I, we actually hired a string quartet. I wrote the music for that, which was an awesome. Oh, I, nice. I missed, you know, writing music like that. So I wrote the whole string quartet and he set it all up at Sunset Sound. So we, you know, because there's a difference between the MIDI 
violins and a real violin like is night and day so right the synth versus a real thing totally so yeah. i worked with billy and that still took two years of my off time and i'm working full time and yeah you a, weren't working on it you know all week and all day you were doing it when you could and when you could afford the the time his time yes. isn't free exactly so over that time i finally got the record i wanted and then we're going to mastering and then the world shuts down for the pandemic like, yep. <laughs> like, You're ready to go, ready to hit the stage. Yep. Yes. And then at the same time, I had just come up with Tina's Vodka. So the plan was release the vodka and the music at the same time. Because as you know, people don't buy music the way they used to. It's streaming, you know. And if you, mm -hmm. buy, if you buy my record on iTunes, I'll make like 75 cents a song. But mm -hmm. if you stream it, I make a fraction of a penny every time yeah, you stream it. So it's the money is just isn't there. And actually, a lot of my industry friends even told me it's like, as a musician, you really have to have something else to sell. Touring and merch. Touring and merch yeah. is, is where it's where that's why even the big bid, the big acts. Hey, everybody. First, I'd like to thank you all for spending time with me and my guest on the podcast. This show is my canvas to showcase amazing people from the world of recruiting, entrepreneurship and leadership and unpack their career journeys for everyone to learn from. But this show is also a business generator for me, as well as creating thought leadership and endless amazing content. And I've taken what I've learned in the past three years and over 200 recorded and 100 live shows and distilled it down into a digital playbook that I call the Pause Course. Now you could learn how I build, manage, and produce the podcast and use it to drive real business development and relationships. Today, I'm sharing all of my secrets behind the podcast, and you can get it all at thepausecourse.com. This course is for anyone, whether you're starting out or an advanced podcaster using it for B2B, a B2C. It's filled with all of my insights, learnings, tips, tricks, and templates. So get it now at thepausecourse.com and learn all my secrets. Thanks. When was that first inkling where you're like, I mean, are, are, is, is vodka your preferred spirit? Like, let's get into the origin story of sure. Tina's vodka. Yeah. So it's That's a what we're here for. That's what the folks yes. want to. The best vodka out there. Would not put my name on it if it was not the best. And you, should, you already know you like it. So, as a buyer in the in the liquor industry, so we help set up programs at restaurants, mm -hmm. bars, venues on premise. Mm -hmm. On premise, yes. And so, what we I'm constantly pitched so many brands. Taste this, please buy this. Especially the company I work for now has such buying power. Uh, after so many tastings, and you know, there's a real craftsmanship to spirits and wine that you know most people aren't aware of but it's people take great pride in their work oh, and yeah. creating something special so i realized through all those tastings that a lot of the organic and non-gmo vodkas were terrible they were not it's like kick me in the face with you know the alcohol and or it's like a potato on fire yes yes huh. exactly and then some of the other brands that are really good are super, super expensive domestic mostly made from gmo pesticide laden crops and I just realized, you know, there is a niche here. Someone can create an organic, non-GMO, good tasting, smooth spirit that's not $50 a bottle. So that's how it kind of evolved just out of life experience. And then I connected with some, a former colleague and they were actually making private labels for people. So I collaborated with the distiller. I'm not a distiller. Um, I'm not scientific that, like that. But but where was that? Like, like was there like the all, like I'm going all in? Like, oh shit, I'm making a freaking vodka brand. Like, yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. I'm like, hey, let me just go for it. And That's what it takes, people. Yeah. Same thing with this show. I just gave it a shot, right? Like, I'm like, all right, let me just try a podcast. And now four years, 250 plus episodes. Like, all right, looking back. 
Awesome. And, and that's a good lesson. Like if you feel the itch, scratch it. Yeah. But you knew, but you knew from being in the industry that this is going to be an uphill battle. It's going to cost you a lot. Like, I mean, how'd you even wrap your head around that fact? Like, shit, you're a struggling musician trying to get your album out. You're like, oh, wow, let's go invest another X amount of, of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in a vodka brand. And getting shelf space and fighting for, you know, bar, you know, top shelf. Like, you knew, you knew this oh, going knew. into it. And you oh, still yeah. did it. Oh, yeah, yeah. The big boys, it just ridiculous amounts of money behind them, a sales team. And mm-hmm. that's the great thing about my relationships I created over the past 12 years working as a buyer. I knew so many people, the distributor, I knew other restaurateurs, I knew concessionaires. Yeah, track. Yeah, so I had friends all over the place. I had my own network that, you know, I knew as a buyer, the juice has to be good. You can do whatever you want. But what's in that bottle counts. So I knew when I get the vodka the way it should be, that it's going to be a no brainer. But yes, it has been an uphill battle. It was much harder. I say this. It was much harder. I thought it would be. I did not expect to do it during a pandemic either. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's interesting. And I'll talk to you offline about this. My friend started a rum company, oh, nice. uh, rum brand during the right at the beginning of the pandemic. We'll, we'll table that one for a moment there. But it, it, it's interesting, too, because. You need people to try it. As you said before, people yeah. weren't going out to the restaurants. They weren't going to the bars. And we're going to get people what, to do a sampling in a, in a liquor store of some random vodka. Yeah. So let's talk about the vodka for, for okay. a moment there. Now, now I'm going to give a little my, my, my quick review on it. So okay. I, had two, I had two sampling sessions. The first one I had with my father-in-law. My, my, my father-in-law is, is born in, in, in ex-Soviet Russia. He's very wow. familiar with vodka. So he is an, an expert per se. Um, interestingly enough, our family events, we don't drink vodka anymore. We drink tequila, which is part mm-hmm. of my transition to tequila phase. But I said, Pops, we're doing a shot here. Uh, I told him I'm having Tina on the show. And his reaction was, this is smooth, very smooth. And I have stopped drinking vodka for the last couple of years. I've migrated uh, over to the brown spirits and then tequila when I want to go clear. So vodka is not my native spirit. And it was really smooth. I didn't, I didn't make a face. I didn't gag on it. It was really good. And we sipped it. We didn't shoot it. We sipped it because I wanted to try it. Uh, and then I tried it again a couple of days ago with our friend Yelena, who is a vodka drinker, who only drinks vodka, and she really enjoyed it. So nice. thumbs up across the board. So Thank you. correct me if I'm wrong, the, the step to take the, um, it's a proprietary step to take the, um, uh, what's the word we want to use, that shitbox flavor from most vodka out <laughs> of it, using coconuts, and this is proprietary, <laughs> I don't know how much you can share. But like, talk about how it makes it different. Like, wh- like how is Tina's vodka different? This well, is the editorial yes. piece, everybody. Yes. So the editorial. Why my vodka is different is because we start with God's green earth corn from the planet, not from GMO. Not, mm-hmm. and this is another thing people don't realize about GMOs that it's the pesticides are the what makes them even worse because mm-hmm. the GMO they the DNA was modified until the crop could live with the pesticide. So that's how bad it is for you. So, right. It's like how how bad can we make it to kill the bugs and still keep the let's find that intersection between killing bugs and not killing the plant. Yes. Exactly. That's awful when you think it's, about it like that. Yeah. And you see people in the hazmat suit spraying that and then you're gonna eat that? Like, no. no. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so people, you know, you know, alcohol was originally created for medicinal purposes. I know mm-hmm. there's all these I'm not gonna tell you it's a healthy, I'm not gonna say that, but I am saying there's health there are benefits to alcohol that have been dismissed. Partly so because of the way it's created now. Making ugly people good looking for many years. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. But so we start with a really good organic corn. That's the base. That's Mm -hmm. the foundation, the essence of it. And then 
we filter it properly, we t- take care, we watch it to make sure it's distilled the proper amount of times. It's not going to be the same time every time because the corn is different each time. And so it depends on what it needs. And then we do filter it. And what my, makes my vodka different is it is just organic spirit and water. What you have in a lot of these vodkas is there's additives to cut the terrible taste. Uh, you peep because because if you stay under a certain threshold, you do not have to disclose it on the label. So you, there's Interesting. vodkas cut with high fructose corn syrup, sugar, glycerin. As long as you stay under a threshold, they do not have to disclose it. So a lot of times when you're getting that bite or the afterburn or the stomach the next day, the hangover, it could be from the additives, not the from sugar. yeah, not from the liquor itself. But it's also to cover up a bad liquor too. Like you don't need to add additives if if, if the vodka is good from the start. And that's what people say about. It. I've been learning about tequila too. I'm not going to name any mm-hmm. of the brands here, but there's a lot of popular brands that people like because they're not as coy as what the real the real McCoy tastes like. Yeah. And people like it because it's sweeter. Like it's more of a, of a, a human uh, friendly flavor profile, and that's why they sell them. Like yeah. X brand tastes good. But that's not really what it should taste like. No, exactly. I feel like it's, it's. I read every label. I stay away from pesticides. I care about what I put in my body, and I feel like alcohol. I want to know if there is food coloring, caramel, especially mm-hmm. the brown spirits. You got to watch out for those. That there's in same thing. The agave shortage. I feel like tequila should be just tequila, and if you want to sweeten it afterwards, that's up to you. But to add sugar, and you have no idea that sugar's been added to it. I don't, I don't like that. And I want to have integrity in my brand. So when you drink it, it, you taste it and you feel it the next day. I have plenty of people who tell me that they don't get hangovers when they drink my vodka, you know, and I, when I drink it, I don't feel the same way. I, well, I you're feel immune clean. to it at this point. <laughs> so, so, so let's, uh, so what was, what, like, what was, what was one of those tough, tough early lessons learned the hard way from launching a brand? Oh, just to, you have to grow your customer base authentically. Because if you need people who are buying it because they like it, they like the way it tastes, they like the story behind it, they like everything about it. Because a lot of people throw a lot of money at it. Okay, if you buy this case of vodka, I'm going to come in and I'm going to spend all this money mm-hmm. and I'm going to support you this way and we'll do all these things. And you know, once you stop, once that brand stops paying for that, then usually those buyers stop buying. So it's not a good business model. It's got to be. It's got to resonate on another level. And that's part of the reason why, I don't know if you're aware, I'm a partner with, I'm an impact partner with Kiss the Ground. Have you seen this documentary film? No, I have not. Oh, you have to see it. It's Kiss the Ground. It's on Netflix. It's about how regenerative agriculture will basically solve all the problems. Like you're saying with the fires, the runoff, all that. I'm glad you got to it. That was on my list here of things to go over. So let's get into it. The soil health is the key to Mm -hmm. everything because it's the micro, it's the microbiome. It's what, you know, the bugs, the all of them have a role to play in our ecosystem. But when you come in and just spray pesticides and kill everything, you're destroying that. So you're destroying years of future. You're f- destroying the past. You're destroying the future of yes. legacy and soil. Like think about like 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 the grapevines, like in the yes. vineyards. That soil. It's a soil. The soil is the key to everything. That's why it's called kiss the ground. And it will leave you in an optimistic place about the planet because the planet, as you know, you know, especially when we were growing up. You know, you just ate food. You didn't even think about organic this, non-GMO that. No. And, you know, the earth knows what to do. And we just have to get out of the way. Like during the pandemic, those first three weeks where once we were locked up, the earth 
fix so many things on our behalf. Oh. <laughs> right. Like we saw like certain things in the ozone layer getting yes. better and the air quality yes. and, and all that. But I want to, I want to go back to uh, something else that was kind of tough. You, you fought off a billion dollar cop, uh, corporation. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you did share the name of them, but that's fine. But I'll let my audience kind of figure that one out. It's not too hard, but what was that battle like? And did it, did it almost put you down? <sighs> yes. Yes. So this company, so Tina is my given name. And I have a legal right to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this other company was squatting on Tina in the tequila category on the trademark the website. They Just, didn't even have a product out. Yeah, exactly. They didn't have a product. If they had it out Bullshit. at some point, they've not had it out. If you don't use it within three years, you use it or lose it, basically. So the first round of attorneys I had were like, They're, you can't have the name. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no way. So I hired a new attorney. So we... <laughs> if you're not telling me what I want to hear, I'll hire a new attorney. Yeah, exactly. I've through, I like the way yes, you operate, Tina. I've gone through six attorneys. And that's one thing I did learn. You know, even the amount of money an attorney has paid, you it does not matter. You still have to go with your instinct and your gut. Take their advice. And then you have to filter it through, you know, your own knowing and your own instinct. So the next attorney, we um, came up with Tina's Planet Vodka because mm. I'm from planet Earth and I give <laughs> back to planet Earth. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Um so that got approved through the trademark website. And this is December 2020, the first holiday season of the pandemic lockdowns. And right before Christmas, I got these cease and desist letters telling me basically, you can't have it, get rid of your website, get rid of everything. And, you know, it was scary because I'm like, I'm just a single woman, businesswoman. I'm at home alone in Los Angeles. My whole family's on the other side of the country because I can't, I'm not going to fly. And, you know, this is when everybody's very scared of right. COVID. Not going to kill them with me going there for Christmas. So um, thankfully, another another thing that happened very authentically, organically, was my friend who owns a water company, an alkaline water company. Um, he actually went through something similar, and he happened to tell me the story at lunch a few months earlier. So I called him, like, "How did you deal with this?" And so he's like, "You're going to call my attorney, and he's going to take care of this for you." Hmm. So he connected me with just a phenomenal attorney who got rid of it in one letter. Thank God. But it still took three months out of my life, another $5,000 that I was not expecting. And it was very touch and go there. I'm like, am I going to be able to do this? Because they could, since I am just a single person, just stretch they could it just out. Outspend you. Yes, they could just outspend exactly. you. They could, they, could, they could just, that's, and that's, I mean, that's their technique. That's, that's what they do mm-hmm. here. So aside, aside from the legal battle, what has been your biggest uphill um, challenge with the brand? I would say, you know, I guess I could go back to the pandemic. It just delayed everything. You know, when we started it, we were trying to meet festival season of 2020. And, you know, it usually takes two weeks for the TTB to approve your label. It took five months. We couldn't get the corn. We couldn't get glass balls. We couldn't get anything. Supply chain was just shit across the board. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. And so a year, I lost a year and a half. And so I started this company on credit cards, like you know, those credit card checks were like 0% interest for 18 months. I'm like, sweet, I'll do this. But you know, the 18 months came much quicker because of the pandemic. Oh, <laughs> so suddenly- They're coming asking for their interest, yeah. Yes, and then, you know, I was furloughed with just like everybody else. You know, California was hit very hard in the mm-hmm. hospitality industry. So my income was just basically gone. And then it was about half of what I normally make, plus that debt and just waiting, waiting every day, two weeks, two weeks, months, this, you know. So I would say- that those delays were, you know, made me really, you know, have to get myself together and just persevere through it. And yeah, after the trademark, yeah, after the trademark thing and that, I'm like, I'm not afraid of anything anymore. Let's go. 
if I can survive that and continue, I love it. I'm good to go. Like nothing, you know, throw it at me. I, you know, and, and I will tell you this, those challenges made me stronger, made me more focused. Um, you know, that I will say that trademark dispute. Listen, we survive a hundred percent of our bad days. We survive those, those bad days and, and that, and, and that's what it's, that's what it's all about. So let's talk yeah. about on the, on the happy side here. Yes. What's, what's the future? What's on the horizon? Uh, let's talk about the good stuff for, for Tina and Tina's vodka. Yes. So I finally got into the market in 2021 and then Total Wine approved me for 22 stores, which, you know, which is huge all across mm-hmm. California. The female ownership, I think, is helping a lot. And also I have a great brand, a great story. All of it's real. And um, so through that, I got through Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits, the number one distributor in mm-hmm. the country. And so I had dear friends there who helped me a lot. And Love it. that is actually such a huge benefit because everybody has a Southern account. So you know. I go to, yes, I go to any restaurant. Of course, they have a Southern account. Just throw it on your order. You're already placing. And then I have extra good news right now. So I'm from North Carolina. Again, my university, everyone in North Carolina has been so supportive. I just got approved to be in the state of North Carolina for sale. Awesome. Yes, because they're a control state. So they operate right. completely differently. Different. It's a whole nother ball game. So it's all the ABC stores. And, um, you know, I emailed them and they called me and they're like, we, you know, let's talk, let's get your brand in here. So we're doing the paperwork right now. So by the time this podcast is airing, I should be available for sale in my home state. So I love it. And, you yeah. know, the university, I've been talking to them. I'm, you know, hoping to get more and more people ordering it and asking for it in North Carolina. So I love it. And I, then, love, I love the story. Yes. And then also, because my Greek heritage, a friend of mine connected me with these guys who own Greekazon.com. It's Amazon for Greek products like wine, cheese, oil. So they- <laughs> All the good stuff. Yes. Yeah, so they we actually <laughs> did a podcast with them and I'm for sale through Greekazon through 44. So you can order me. This is what I sent to you was from Greekazon. Mm-hmm. So they shipped to 44 states and all of that happened very- tra- you know, Easy peasy. Yeah. Like, hey, we like this. We like you. Let's Let's work together. And it's been awesome. The, the the beauty of your story is the the persistence, the hard work, the perseverance, pushing through, fighting for what you believe in, and this is what success looks like. And I I, I only you know only wish you the best. It's a great uh, it's a great vodka. I want everyone to go out there and try it. Um, what's going on with the music side? Yeah, so that's been so that's another thing with the pandemic because a lot of my music, you know, of course, as a writer. You know, I write everything, depressing songs, sad songs. I specifically chose these songs that are a little more optimistic. I talk about, you know, creating your life. And actually, I had 11 songs on originally. The 12th song, The Magical Ones, I wrote during the pandemic because I was so sick of, you know, the news telling mm-hmm. us we need to be scared. Need uplifting. Yep. Yeah, we need to be scared and, and afraid no of everything. Yeah, I'm like, no, we have power within us. And that was that was, really was a backlash that embrace the power, create your life. We have magical things. We have power and um, our imagination, you know, it's even scientific now. They can prove how your feelings can create things in your field. Manifestation. So, yeah, so, but then during the pandemic with this, how it's just been such a weird time, it didn't feel appropriate to push that out there yet. So the plan was always to release the vodka and the record together. So like on my Instagram, I have some videos of the vodka with my songs in the background. I'm on all the digital platforms. That makes sense. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm intertwining them together and um, just letting people, I, I personally do not like a hard sell. 
I don't want to be in your face. I want you to mm-hmm. come to it because you enjoy it. Here it is. Take it or leave it. You know, I'm not going to beg anyone to like my music or my vodka. I know yeah. I'm proud of what I've written. I'm proud of my vodka. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. You seem, ha- you seem happy. You seem happy. And I, and I know that I know it's been a, a struggle to create and follow your dreams. And I certainly applaud you for that. So, Tina, let's bring it home here. Tina, what's what's the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on daily? Um, this, and I've said this before, but it still rings true every time that you're not creating your business. You're not creating music. You're creating yourself. And that's who every day you're becoming another version of yourself. And to keep, you know, up leveling the challenges come for It's another opportunity. It's not like, Oh, why is this happening to me? It's like, okay, this is great. This is an opportunity for me to be more of myself. Let me figure out who I am. And, you know, shed those fears, shed those insecurities or, you know, feeling small. So you can stand up and become more of yourself every day. And the company, the vodka, the music are vehicles to that. Because like I said, you know, growing up, being having money, not having money, having money, not having money. It's this. Everything is what you're thinking and feeling. Yeah. I love it. And, and I so align with that. And I so believe in that too. And thank you so much for sharing that. And last but not least, um, Tina, you look back on your life, you look back at those hard times, you look back at, you know, when your parents lost the restaurant and it was going under and they put that, they took away that left turn and you're like, shit. And you had to see them persevere and and pull through. And in your own career, those, those really tough times scraping by, following your dreams and pushing through and clawing your way up with tenacity. And in the same breath, you look back at and where you are right now in our conversation with gratitude, you're humble, you're, 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 you're proud of your accomplishments. What keeps you focused? What is your beacon? Tina Karras, what is your North Star in life? <laughs> well, thank you, first of all. Um, that's a great question. My North Star, I would say, I'm not really sure. I think every day I just try to figure it out. Wake up every day and, you know, be thankful for another day of being alive and healthy and another opportunity. I, mean, I have bad days too, but for the most part, you know, what a great, country to live in that we can just, I can just create a business and just go for it and figure it out as I go. Making music and making vodka, the American dream people. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it is, it's like remembering those times, looking back and seeing how far you've come because it's very easy to forget about that and think, oh, I need to be here. And that's, that's been a struggle. And I'm sure you can relate too. Cause when you think back, when you first started your podcast, Mm -hmm. you're a completely different person now. Like everything is different. And stopping every once in a while and taking stock and, you know, being like, wow, I did, wow, I did that. I I am proud of myself that I persevered and created the album I always wanted to create and, you know, being rejected by, you know, music publishers and labels. I haven't submitted this one for anything because honestly, I want to stay independent. I want to do it on my terms because the business is very ugly and they Mm -hmm. take all your money and I've already created it, you know, but try, I guess maybe mostly building that relationship with yourself and be like, this is who I am and I'm sharing it with you. Take it or leave it. And that's up to you what you do with it. So. I love it. Tina, okay. thank you so much for spending oh, time welcome. with me and my audience. It's been a fantastic conversation. Thank Hope you. you feel the same. It's been great. I feel like I feel like I, I know you now. I feel like yes. we're, 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 we're buddies. Um, this has been awesome. I want everyone to check out tinasvaca.com. It is fantastic. It gets the pause seal of approval. I'm going to start endorsing products here. Tina, where else could folks find you? Where could they connect? Where could they learn more? So in California, I'm in Total Wine. I just got an Albertsons and Pavilions. 
and international, inter, sorry, nationally, greekazon.com. You can order it there and they'll ship it to you, free shipping. And, um, and that will be, soon be in the state of North Carolina. Fantastic. And we'll link it all up in there. Tina, thank you so much for joining me. Hang with me thank one you. moment here. And everyone listening at home, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Sharing means caring. So if you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends. Leave a review rating. It goes a long way. You know where to find out more at thepodcast.com. Follow us on all of our social media channels. Remember, take care of each other. Look out for one another and catch us next week for another great episode. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com. <laughs>